0: Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's curd and long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath.
1: I had an experience over the weekend, and you're a man of the people. Uh, so I, I'm you. curious to see if you've run into this sort of person. It's a parent, right? We were at a city tournament, bowling city tournament, uh, here locally. And it was a parent, and him and I got to talking about the Packers. And he says, Don. Not buying Jordan Love, not buying Matt LaFleur. And I was like, what? And you know, you know, look, when I'm out in public normally, I don't really raise my voice. I try not to raise my voice. But I was yelling at this dude in front of everybody. I was hot. I was like, well, what do you what do you mean you're not buying him? Wow, he misses a lot of check down throws and short throws. Yeah, he can make the difficult throws, but he can't make the easy throws nearly as much. I'm not sold on him. I'm like, huh? I'm like, and what about LaFleur? He's like, well, you know, he doesn't know how to make a big decision in a big moment. He's not the guy either. He should be gone, too. I was like, what? So um, my question to you is because you're doing the national radio, obviously, Bart, but you also have a lot of local people, right? Your crew that follows you everywhere you go that I'm sure are calling in as well. Are you getting still people that say not buying Jordan Love, not in on Jordan Love being that guy going forward?
0: First of all, to your Acquaintance, I'm. What was he not? Was he not seen? Did he stop watching the season after like week seven? I don't know.
1: I was shocked. I I literally raised my voice. We were. I was yelling at him back and forth. Oh my god! I was so beside myself.
0: No, everything that I've ever said about Jordan Love, um, including putting him in the top ten of current quarterbacks, I've received zero pushback on from anybody.
1: Top ten is right.
0: It's just like accepted. And I think, uh, you know, lumping him together with C.J. Stroud, both in their first year as a starter, obviously, but these are guys that you can recognize, okay, they're good. And I think from a national perspective, which I'm trying to get trademarked, um, when when you, like, see your team play these guys, so there, there still might be people around the country that are like, ah, oh, what's this Jordan Love of it? But then you see your team play him. oh, okay. Or you watch that game against the Cowboys. And even though he didn't have that good of a game against the Niners um, that he did against the Cowboys, people know that that game happened and they saw it for themselves. I think the frustrating part about the uh, 49ers game is that throw at the end where they had all the timeouts, you know, oh, cross body, cross field. He, that, he hadn't made a decision like that. It, it wasn't like, oh, that's just love being love. Like a Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. He, he hadn't made a decision like that all season. There's been throws that you would like back, and but decision-wise, he hadn't made a decision like that all year. So, you know, what I wanted from this team, I think, is what everybody wanted. I think Mark Murphy's talked on it where we just want to know who the quarterback is. And, and that got figured out. But then as you went along, I do think that going on the road, winning a playoff game, is huge for the development of everybody. Yes. But then also going on the road and losing a game that you really think you could have win. Like I just think long term all of this is good. Even though it was another awful loss, long term for this team, everything everything worked out. Everything was good.
1: Okay, so we're sold on Jordan Love. And I'm assuming you're sold on paying Jordan Love like a top ten quarterback as well, right? You're you're okay with that this offseason because you now he gets Somewhere around 45 million dollars a year, something like that. You're good. You're you're not gonna freak out. You're you're fine with that.
0: The Packers have spent so much money on things that didn't work out that you might as well spend the money on a guy that is. Yeah, they can pay him whatever. I, I'm with you. I don't think there's any number that I scoff at. Eh, maybe sixty.
1: Yeah. I was gonna say I I somewhere between fifty five and sixty. I I might question a little bit. is uh, but- good. But but again, I mean, somewhere in that area, he's going to make more than Daniel Jones at 40. So we know it's north of that. It's just a matter of how much north of Daniel Jones uh, and that contract with the Giants. What about Matt LaFleur now? Let's talk about him. Um, I just had Pete Doherty on um, last week on Friday on uh, Curt and Long, and he said he believed that LaFleur actually did just get extended. Uh, he thinks prior to last year and that he might have three or four years left now with the extension or whatever, which I guess I missed that news. Uh, but as far as Lafleur goes, would you agree that he proved anybody that doubted him about it being all Rodgers and it ain't mad and Rodgers is just covering for Lafleur like he did for McCarthy? Did he prove to you that okay, he's legit? He, he's one of the better coaches in the league.
0: Well, I, I, I he proved me, yeah. And any any there's still there's still things like, but this is with any coaches. I think a lot of coaches when they're faced with a decision if they could just pause time and have like 10 minutes, they'd come up with the right one. But sometimes it's like, so pressure packed. I just, at the beginning of the year, a lot of the complaints or criticisms that I had about Matt LaFleur in year one or year two, I felt like I was still having, Uh, I don't, I wanted to see kind of love unleashed earlier, but again, you know, this is the coach and I'm just
1: some players didn't know what the hell they were doing. He, he, he didn't trust the receivers and tight ends to be doing right. what they're supposed to be doing. The offensive line was a disaster. Rasheed Walker was a disaster. Running was a fiasco. I mean, they had all kinds of problems before he could probably finally open that up. And it, as he put it, it wasn't until the Steelers game where he's like, OK, it looks like we're all starting to get on the same page here. Know what we're supposed to do. Let's open this up a little bit and see if we can handle it. And obviously they took off.
0: I think some of the stuff with LeFleur, like. I mean, yeah, he's won me over in, in any way that you need to win a person over. I think yeah. when you see these videos of him in the locker room, um, the guys want to play for him. He and I, and I think like I have a caller that sometimes will call in and he asked me like five times, but it's the same question. What makes Jim Harbaugh such a good coach? And I, it's it, sometimes it's just it's not even about the X's and O's or the in-game management. It's about can you get a group of guys to believe in what you want and your message? And I think Harbaugh does a great job of that. And I think Lafleur has been doing that here in Green Bay. The other thing with Lafleur too is uh, this was Jordan Love's first year. This was in a way Matt Lafleur's first year as the coach. Yeah, he 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 spent four years as a co-manager of the Aaron Rodgers Fund or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he. he when you have Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala and the Jets are going through it now, like you don't get to be the coach. You have to also manage and go through whatever this guy's putting you through. So this was a different experience for him. And some of the stuff that he might've been going through the first few weeks was different for him. Cause he, he's not getting the, he's like, okay. Coach. Yep. That, yep. Well, okay. Coach. Okay. Instead of, right. Well, that's great. But instead like the, part of Okay. Part of that Rogers article was like, um the he wanted, yeah, he wanted yeah. Nathaniel Hackett to instill an offense that he would like. And so they worked together to to come up with an offense that Rodgers approved of. But then when he would get under center, he would still check out of those pre-approved plays. Why?
1: Because he didn't like the sequencing.
0: In his mind, he wanted the, the plays
1: to be stacked and sequenced together correctly, which if you go back and listen to LaFleur, Uh, earlier in the, well, towards the end of the season, Lafleur talked about that with Jordan Love. He said, look, with Jordan, or was it Sinovich? No, it was Sinovich. Adam Sinovich said this. He said, with Jordan Love, we call a play, and he checks out, we know what he's checking to, right? So we know what's being run. He said, with Aaron Rodgers, we'd go back and still not know what the heck he checked to, even after we watched it on film. So it's hard to build. He would
0: just check. I was there in Seattle that one uh, year where he just, he told no one what to do except Devontae run deep. Right. So even then,
1: from that perspective, Senevich is like, it's hard to call plays in a game when you don't know exactly what's being run on the field in order to set it up. And he said, and goes, and that worked for us fine, right? He said what he did was fine. We won a bunch of games. But now calling plays is a little bit easier because you can stack plays, set guys up for later in the game which makes everything a lot easier. And I don't think people, I know, they did not understand when Rodgers was doing that, how hard it made it on the floor to do his job correctly. And now you see this year, he, he's pretty damn good at this once this thing gets going. I mean, last, what, four or five games? Would they punt like one time a game? Maybe in some games, they didn't punt at all. I mean, this offensive was just clicking on all cylinders. And part of it was Aaron Jones being healthy. But still, sequence of play calling and so forth is a big deal. And that's why we go back to Rodgers and Hackett. Yeah, Hackett has all the plays that Rodgers wants. But Rodgers wants to call it a certain way. And if Hackett doesn't do it that way, to hell with you. I know how I want these called. I'll call them myself. I At some point, they just said, Hackett, you're going to stand there. He's going to call the plays on the field. You don't have to do nothing. You don't even need a headset. Just stand there and we'll pay you to be his friend. Because uh, that's exactly what's happening.
0: And that that stacking plays part, that was one of the things that I was most excited about the Lafleur hire for five years ago because, you know, with the whole Shanahan, McVay, all this stuff. But there was a quote I, I always attribute it to George Kittle. I forget if he's the one that said it, but I think it was where he says, sometimes we're not going to call a bad play on purpose, but we'll call a play knowing that a part of it might not work to set it up for either later in the drive or later in the game. And yeah, it's fun calling plays. Okay. Let's do it. But to bring in a philosophy of not like play calling like a story, but where there is a reason for something, even if it doesn't pay off right away, I think that's great. You know, you only get like 65, 70 plays. And if you can kind of build off each other, I think that's great. So I hope that we get to see more of that obviously next year.